1: Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
2: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. To my left, Charles W. Bryant. To my right, Jerry, the...
1: The killer of Roland. Yes, thank you, Chuck. To your immediate, immediate right. Yeah, within uh, two inches, it looks like. Within sniffing distance, as she's pointed out. <laughs> There's enough of that. Okay. Yeah, hey,
0: so uh, how you doing? Great, sir. Chuck. Josh. Have you ever seen art? I hate art. Chuck, let's let's <laughs> do something different. Yeah, that was nice, though. Actually, thank you. Uh, Chuck knows a guy who hates art.
1: Yeah, what a of, guy who knows a guy who hates art. One of my friends, redneck cousins, said that one time. I hate art. Just art. <laughs> Whatever Which makes a lot of sense. Movies, poetry, film. Yeah, sculpture. Sure, I hate art. Yeah, let's go ahead. Guys name Art. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like that old joke about a guy hanging on the wall. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead. No, I'm not going to. Okay. Um, actually, Chuck, we are, we have, I think, come and gone on the 20th anniversary of the largest art heist in U.S. history. It happened in 1990 in Boston. Yes. Men. What was the name of the, the museum?
1: Isabella Rosalini Art Museum? <laughs> the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. And, uh, some dudes made out with $250 million in uh, paintings, Rembrandts, Degas sketches, and a Manet.
0: Yeah, and they actually did it in high style. They dressed up in Boston police uniforms, uh, dropped by the museum after hours. There were two security guards on duty, both of them college students. Um, and they went to the door and like waved at the security guards who buzzed them in. Yeah. And then, I guess, used some ploy to get them away from their desk, which ha- held the, the alarm buzzer. Right. Um, overpowered them, duct taped them, and then spent 81 minutes in this, uh, in this museum pilfering it. Yeah. But they think that these guys were, uh, local boys. Right. Who didn't know what they were doing because they passed by, probably Southeast. Right. They passed by some, um, very, very expensive works of art. And took those Degas sketches instead, um, but they still pulled it off. They pulled off the the heist of the century. Yeah, I was reading a, an article in, in I think the Boston Globe uh, with a FBI guy who was talking about um, they they I guess reignited the case or something now. Right. They're they're using uh,
1: new DNA techniques on the duct tape. Yeah, and right? billboards. <laughs> yeah. Digital billboards in Boston going up. Asking for uh, information. But you know what? The statute of
0: limitations of being involved in that crime ran out in 1995. So,
1: what does that mean? <laughs> they want that artwork back. Right. Sure. Yeah, bad. So, that was an example of a very low-fi theft operation.
0: No, that's actually high-fi as far as art theft goes. Well, that was
1: my point, though: is that art theft is very low-fi.
0: Yeah. They... Across the board. Uh, A guy very famously made off with the Mona Lisa in 1911.
1: Can I say how he did that one? Yeah. (laughs) He's a worker there at the Louvre, and he uh, hid somewhere in the museum, Mm -hmm. waited till the museum closed, came out, cracked it out of its uh, frame, put it under a shirt, and walked out. Yep. That's how he stole the Mona Lisa. Yep. Have you ever seen the Mona Lisa? Yeah. It's very small. It is surprisingly small. Jerry just nodded, like, "Yes, it and is." <laughs> a woman
0: was actually recently um, arrested for throwing a mug at the Mona Lisa. Yeah, because she was rejected for French
1: citizenship. And yeah, I remember that. She was taking it out on old Mona. Although it's like behind all kinds of protection now—a bulletproof glass. Yeah, but back then it was the the funny thing is is it sat empty for a few days, a mm-hmm. couple of days, without the museum doing anything because everyone just kind of assumed that someone knew that it was being cleaned or something and someone knew about its whereabouts and right. then finally somebody eventually went oh wait a minute you don't have it uh, you don't have it so then they alerted the cops of course which
0: actually i as, when we were doing research in this article and this is by the way part 2 series part 2 in the series of how easy is it to steal blank sure right we started with nuclear weapons right now art now art um And what I found from researching this article is it's extremely easy to to steal art. Yeah,
1: compared to like a bank or uh, like a diamond jeweler or something like that. Yeah. It's not like the movies. They don't have the the laser beams with Catherine Zeta-Jones shimming and sliding around under the laser beams. Right, yeah. I'm not not entirely certain that was Catherine Zeta-Jones. Body double? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, But you can very easily walk into a museum with a gun, as was done in 2004 in Oslo, Norway, Mm -hmm. uh, when somebody walked in with a gun
1: and stole the scream. Yes. Edvard Munch's The Scream. Yes, and that is the second time that that's been stolen in the past 15 years alone. Right. And in the past 20 years, there have been dozens and dozens of major paintings, including 20 works by Vincent van Gogh, from a single heist in Amsterdam in 1991. Yeah, and as we're going to tell you, there's a weird law in 2000. Next year, th- those very paintings may be available legitimately on the open market. No, no, it'll it'll be
0: 10 years from next year. Oh, is it 20 years? It's it's 20 years for any art in in the Netherlands is the only country that has this law, right, Chuck? Oh, I thought it was 10 years. Yeah. No, it's twenty years right. for um, any work of art. Uh, thirty years if it's from if it's stolen from a public collection like a museum, okay, or if it's registered as a national heritage item, right. But in the Netherlands, it after the twenty or thirty years passes, transfer of rightful ownership so goes
1: cool. to the thief. So these guys, if they're smart, they're just going to hang. Hopefully, they're young and they're just going to hang on to them, yeah, and then sell them for boatloads of cash, right. This Dutch, wacky, wacky Dutch.
0: But there are ways around this. The Dutch just recently busted a group of art thieves um, who had stolen some works of art from a private gallery. Um, and after 20 years, were coming forward um, with the art. And they, they were set up by this private detective. It was like... Well, it was like a movie. Right. They were set up by this private detective in the Dutch National Police, and he was going to help them blackmail the gallery owner's family or whatever. Right. Um, but he actually handed them over to the police who caught them, and the statute of limitations had run out, but the uh, works of art were still listed as stolen. Ah. So they got them for handling stolen goods and laundering money. A Dutch gumshoe and a
1: Dutch loophole. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Uh, can I tell you about one of my favorites? In 2000? Yeah. The Swedish National Museum, these dudes came in with a machine gun, stole a Renoir and a Rembrandt. But this is where it gets smart. They didn't just walk in with a gun and leave. Before the robbery, they laid out spikes on the roads so the cops would you know, get flat tires. Yeah. Toot sweet. And uh, right before the robbery, they uh, had accomplices in other parts of the city, two other parts, that set off bombs to just instill a bunch of chaos going on. Not, not a bad idea.
0: No, it's really not. Although, if your bomb blows somebody up, you got murder rap tacked
1: on as well. Well, yeah, true. Very true. And uh, can I tell the one about Zurich, too? This is just two years ago? hmm This was uh, another gun deal. Three three dudes break, broke into the... I'm sorry, they didn't broke in. They waltzed in to the E.G. Burle Foundation Museum <laughs> in Zurich. And they basically walked in when it was wide open, full of people... And pulled their guns and said, everybody freeze, everybody get down on the floor. Nobody move, nobody get hurt. <laughs> right? Yes. That was my Raising Arizona reference of the show. Nice. Remember the old guy? Mm-hmm. But well, which is it? You want I should freeze or drop? <laughs> <laughs> so they basically just got the four paintings closest to the door, all on one wall, still in their protective cases. Right. They walked out, included a Cezanne a Monet, a Degas, and a Van Gogh. (laughs) And uh, they found two of these in the back of a car nearby a few days later, and they just figured that they were too heavy, so they just (laughs) kind of just just dropped two of them. But they were smart enough to keep the most expensive one, right? Yeah, well, lucky, they think, that they grabbed it, because they think they just grabbed the four closest one. That was a Cezanne, the the boy in the red waistcoat. Um, So
0: you can just walk into a museum with a gun, or gallery with a gun, um, you can set off some bombs. You can put down road tax, that kind of thing. That's one way to do it. Sure. There were some guys in two thousand one um, who drove their jeep through the front door of a museum and really? made off with some paintings worth four million. Um, you could wage a war. Who did that? Oh, it happens in every war. There's actually been a huge oh, you just push loot for art. Sure. There's, oh, okay. there's a huge push uh, that's been ongoing to return uh, what's called Holocaust era art. Really? Um, To the heirs of the rightful owners. Oh, that's awesome. A lot of times the Nazis were like, give us this and we won't kill you. And then you gave it to them and then they killed you anyway. Right. Um, and then that art gets matriculated into the underground and then legitimate art world. Uh, but there's actually a, a type of um, cultural law that's developed. And there's these lawyers making tons of cash in threatening to sue or filing suit against people who own holocaust era artwork to return it to their rightful owners good often this is museums as well right sure do you remember what is it the um was it artwork from machu picchu Mm, i don't know the guy from yale went down to peru i believe and got something from machu picchu or a bunch of stuff from machu picchu took it back to yale and Yale basically refused to hand it back over to Peru for
1: decades. Really? And just finally, recently did it. Who do they think they are? Yale. Y- Yaleys? Mm hmm. Wow. Have you ever stolen art? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I used to be part of a gang. <laughs> I, on my recent vacation, I don't think I told you about this. I went to a uh, gallery in Sausalito, mm-hmm. across from the uh, across the bay, in San, or across from San Francisco. And there was a gallery right next to my little inn that had. Original Dr. Seuss paintings. Wow. Had like 10 of them. Really, really cool. How much were they? Uh, I think they were like, they were under 10 grand. What? Yeah. I seem to think they were under 10 grand, or around 10 grand. That's awesome. They were really cool, though, and I really wanted to steal them. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't have 10 grand. Oh, you could just write a bad check. Oh, that's a good point. Sure. I
0: should have done that. Check kiting, it doesn't carry quite as much of a penalty as... Art theft. (laughs) And then, Chuck, do you remember in the zoo episode where I said that Toledo has a surprisingly good art museum? Yeah. Uh, There was a pretty famous heist in 1996 um, with a bunch of paintings that were en route to the Guggenheim. And they were on loan from the Toledo Museum of Art. Really? Yes. Yes. Um, and there were some professional art transporters that had their truck and were transporting this art, and it parked overnight at a motel in Strasburg, Pennsylvania, and the people just looted the truck. Wow! Made off with the paintings. I think they were recovered.
1: Yeah, I was at the Guggenheim um, a couple of years ago, and it, I was kind of in a, at, there at a bad time. I think cause they had a lot of their really good stuff that was being transferred. It might have been during that thing, but they were they were sitting there and their big boxes that they used to ship them just kind of right there and there was no one watching them i mean they were huge (laughs) like i couldn't have just walked out or maybe i could have Mm. if i would have had a machine gun yeah (laughs) everybody get down everybody freeze
2: a new season of bridgerton is here and with it a new season of bridgerton the official podcast i'm your host gabrielle collins and this season we are bringing fans even deeper into the tonne Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
1: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
2: Jean Eugene Fodor Jean. We'll
1: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you hide the books,
0: Jean. and last on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man. Uh,
1: a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas.
2: Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on and its high time. You tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run!
1: So travel before it's too late. Your money will return, your time won't, and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so, Josh, this is all well and fine and fun, but why would you steal art? What can you do with a Van Gogh that you have stolen?
0: Well, first off, uh, we should say that um, art theft, the the... The trade of stolen art uh, ranks third in the world as far as illicit activities yeah. go and generating money. Shocking. Estimated $6 billion
1: annually. Well, that's because uh, they're so. The art is really, really, really expensive. Sure, yeah.
0: Um, and it's right behind drugs
1: and then arms. Not bad. No, it isn't bad.
0: Um, well, it is bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say money is the big reason why. The, the thing is, is. When you are stealing actually I would say money is the only reason why.
1: Yeah, but how do you unload art is my thing? I'm
0: getting to that. I'm getting to that. Settle down. <laughs> <laughs> the, I know the answer. <laughs> when you when you steal art, you're going to get maybe a tenth of its legal market value on the black market. Sure. But if you get a twenty million dollar painting, that's pretty good scratch. Sure, that's two million bucks right there. Boom. Right? Mm-hmm. Wait. Yeah. Yes. Um, the, and you're going to get a 10th of you're going to get a 10th of its value two different ways one you're going to sell it to an unscrupulous dealer it's so funny they always use the word unscrupulous it's yeah. part of the art world when they're talking about art theft right. the word unscrupulous uh, always comes before somebody who is knowingly buying yeah. or you know it's not evil right or you know low of uh, low moral yeah
1: shady yeah it's like saying they're uh They have no tact whatsoever.
0: Exactly. (laughs) An unscrupulous art collector or dealer will buy it, but is going to buy it for 10%. Sure. Um, and you can also sell them as fakes, high, high quality fakes. And those usually, uh, or replicas, we should say, as they say in the art world. Right. uh, And and those usually fetch about 10% of the market value. Um, that's probably a lot easier too. But they were saying that there's a, there, from 1980 to 2010, an estimated 100,000 objects of art have been stolen Yeah, just in crazy. the last 30 years I know. they think of a lot of these stolen pieces of art are in the are in legitimate collectors collections right who unknowingly think that they're replicas
1: well yeah that's the one of the keys if you get a, an art a piece of art that is less uh, known maybe it's not the mona lisa mm-hmm. you can sell it and then that gets sold, and it's sort of, I think they put it in the article, like art laundering. Right. The first dealer kind of dumps it quickly for a lowish price, and then they'll sell it to someone, the other person will sell it. And by the time it gets around two or three places and maybe it goes off to auction, the auction thinks it's a legit, you know, because it comes from a, a verified owner. Yep. And that happened to, one, Steven Spielberg. It did. I remember when this happened.
0: He had a, he found out he had a stolen Norman Rockwell in his, uh, in his collection. Of course
1: he would have a Norman Rockwell. (laughs)
0: That just figures. Um, you know, Switzerland is, uh, notorious apparently for holding, uh, illegitimate art auctions. They were, they're legitimate. These are legitimate auction houses, but they're knowingly selling questionable or stolen art. And the very fact that it's passed through this auction house and, and been purchased legitimately, there's some sort of legitimacy attached to that stolen art now, uh, right? Yeah. So it befuddles um, claims of due diligence. There's this thing called um, buying a piece of art in good faith right? where you're like, I didn't know it was stolen and I bought it legitime- leg- legitimately, so it's mine. right? And the um, international police community, who deal with art theft mm-hmm. have kind of come up with these rules that are carried out in the courts, and first among them is due diligence. You have to go look to see if the painting's stolen. Right. Um, if your if your work of art is stolen, there's certain steps you have to follow. You have to alert sure. the authorities. You have to, um, you know, put it on the uh, stolen art register. Right. Um, and the, so if it's stolen, you do, you take certain steps. If you're buying a piece of art, you have to take certain steps. But first among them was something that you mentioned was quick art sale. Right. If you buy something in haste, that should be a red flag to you. Sure. Somebody's just trying to unload it. Let's just do this. I just
1: want to get rid of this Rembrandt real quick. Exactly. Yeah. So uh,
0: if they find out that you made a quick sale, your claim of due diligence is out the window and right. you can't say that you bought it in good faith and you're probably going to lose your money and the piece of
1: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
0: In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today or just call them at 844-900-RUBY.